find your place in your copy of the Word of God, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And we'll stand, we'll read a few verses, we'll pray, and you can be seated for the, uh, for the preaching of God's eternal Word. John chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Would you help us pray and you be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be here this morning. What a privilege it is to be in the house of God, to be able to uh, be with these people that are here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship the Lord together. As our dear brother in Sunday school talked about places in America that do not have churches close by, do not have gospel preaching, Bible preaching churches. I thank God uh, that we have an opportunity this morning to be in a place where the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted up. And thank you, Lord, for the songs that have been sung. And God, thank you for what has been felt here already. But now we've read the word of God. And I pray you'd help me preach with power and unction of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray for that sinner that may be here today, that they'd be saved. And I pray for the one that's saved, God, to be surrendered and submitted to to you and God I pray God wherever we find ourselves this morning that you would do in our heart what needs to be done search us oh God find if there be any wicked way in us challenge us and change us and charge us for the glory of God in Jesus name I pray amen and amen you may be seated thank you for standing for the word of God after this after what after Jesus had spent some time in Galilee, and, and we don't know all that took place in Galilee. In John's gospel, it is only recorded about the nobleman's son being healed there. But from the other gospel accounts, the synoptic gospels, we find out that Jesus did a lot of things while he was in Galilee and so now he is coming out of Galilee and going back to Jerusalem and the reason he's going back to Jerusalem first and foremost by verse 1 is there is a feast of the Jews and we don't know which feast that was there were seven feasts of the Jews that are mentioned in the Old Testament and we do not know which feast he's going to but that sets the, the tone why is Jesus going back to Jerusalem there is a feast there but you know that God does not just work in of the normal he does not just work in the natural he does not just do things because it makes sense naturally naturally it makes sense he goes back because he's a Jewish man and there's a festival going on so he's supposed 
supposed to go back to this feast day. But I do believe that he goes back more. There's more to the story than just another festival. There's more to Jesus' purpose than just going for another holy day. Just like in chapter number 4, he must needs go through Samaria. It wasn't because that was the shortest distance, though it was. There was a woman at the well that needed Jesus. And there was a city of Samaritans, a village of Samaritans that needed Jesus. And I do believe the reason he's going there is because there is a festival going on. But there's a man laying by a pool that is withered and lame and impotent that needed a Savior, that needed healing more than just physical healing. This man needed spiritual healing. So we see that in verse number 1. And verse number 2 tells us in Jerusalem at the sheep market, which would be at the sheep gate. We read about that in Nehemiah. Uh, the sheep gate would have been that place where uh, they would bring in the sheep into the city uh, for slaughter. This would be the entry point for all those little lambs that would be slain uh, at the temple during the temple worship. At the sheep gate, uh, at the sheep market, there was a pool, which is in the Hebrew tongue, called Bethesda. And that word Bethesda means the house of mercy. Beth means house of Bethesda means uh, uh, of mercy. And right at the sheep gate, right at the place of sacrifice, right at the place where the little lambs would be slain, there was a pool of mercy. And there was a pool of, uh, of mercy there for the people who needed mercy. And the Bible says having five porches. Now, we think of porches and we think of on the front of the church, we've got a porch. And the front of your house, maybe the back of your house, you've got a porch. And it'd be very similar to that. Around this pool, there would be a five different covered pavilions, if you will. Five gazebos, if you will. Five covered porches around this pool. And the Bible says in verse number 3 that in those porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, waiting for the moving of the water. So get in your mind, we have walked through a gate into the city of Jerusalem. We're not far from the temple. There is a pool of water and there are five porches around this pool and on these porches is full of people. They're not fishing. They are not throwing money in there making a wish. They're not just feeding. They're not just looking at the water. These porches are full of people who have have major problems in their life. These are, the Bible says, impotent folk. That word impotent means without strength. These people have lost all strength. They have no health. They have no power in themselves and they're laying all around this pool. The Bible said they're blind, they're halt, they're withered and they're waiting for the moving of the water. Just imagine, if you will, you're at, the, at this pool at the sheep gate and all you see around you is blind people. Halt. The Bible says halt. Halt means that they are uh, they uh, can't move. They are immobile. They are halt. They, they are stopped in their tracks. Uh, they are withered. Their limbs are drawn up. Uh, they, uh, they are maybe paralyzed. And this is the scene around the pool. Uh, no, Listen, this is not a pleasant scene. This is not a happy scene. I'm sure they were not cutting up, making jokes and fun. I'm sure they were not playing board games and, and having a good old time. I'm sure they not, were not singing songs 
songs of joy or anything like that. There probably were not, a, there was probably not a sound of laughter or any smiling faces. I'm talking about a place of darkness, a place of depression, a place of disability. And this is the place that Jesus walks up on. Can you imagine? You got that in your mind. The Bible says in verse number 4, the Bible says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the waters, and whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, there's a lot of people. I've got to say this. I've got to pastor for a moment. There are a lot of people who uh, claim, a lot of people that claim they're smarter than God, claim that this verse is not in the original verses. How do they know? They don't have the originals. Amen. I have a copy of the infallible, inspired, inerrant word from heaven in a King James Bible. Amen. Is that right? Hey, we're King James around here, friend. And listen, my Bible says that an angel went down at a certain city. Matter of fact, y'all see that black little blob on my page? This is my nice, really nice Highland Goatskin Allen 40, 43. I love this Bible. The only marking I have is, is scribbled right there. You know why it's scribbled right there? Nolan asked me the other day. He said, why you got that scribble right there, Daddy? I said, because that guy didn't know what he's talking about. Amen. That note, that note I scribbled out said it's not in the original, the oldest, best manuscript. Listen, friend, it was in the best manuscript. And listen, you say, you believe an angel really done that? Hey, an angel, an angel helped Peter escape out of jail. An angel, an angel visited Zacharias and told him in his old age, him and Elizabeth's going to have John the Baptist. An angel visited the, uh, Mary and told her that the Holy Ghost was going to make her with child. And that angel visited Joseph and said that child that Mary's having is the Son of God. Hey, I believe angels had done a lot of other things in the Bible. Hey, listen, you know what you need to do this morning? It's just believe your Bible and stop doubting everything you read in your Bible. Amen. You say, I never even thought about that. Well, now, you, now don't, just believe it. It's in there. Believe it. Amen. Now, an angel came down. And when this water was troubled, and I know, and then there's some other guys, they had this scientific reason why. Listen, the Bible says that an angel went in trouble. I ain't going to question that. I'm not scratching my head. I just believe it. Amen. And watch this. It went troubled. But when that water was troubled, only the first person into the water was healed. Now, again, the reason, and, and this, is a, this is a point of why we are King James around here, okay? Here's why. Because other versions of the Bible will take that verse out. You take that verse out and the whole story really doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when he says, I don't have no man to put me in the pool. Because if you don't have verse 4, you think, well, why you want to get in the pool for? Amen? And so, so it don't make sense. But then also, you say, you believe this really happened? Think about this. Do you think that crowd of people would keep showing back over and over and over and over again if it really wasn't somebody getting healed there? Listen, I mean, they, I mean, I understand people, people don't make sense a lot of times. Things people do does not make sense. But I just don't see this pool not having some kind of healing, therapeutic power, some kind of properties to it that did something for people. That, and there was some reason people kept, kept coming back to it. We find it this, this, this pool 
a group of people that, that are in bad shape. You know what this pool reminds me of? It reminds me of the world that we live in. It reminds me of the society that we live in, this, this the spiritual condition of the world we live. They are blighted by sin and they are in need of a Savior. We find these people, the Bible says in verse, um, verse 3, in these lay a great multitude. I, I'm just, I'm, my I'm in my introduction. Just hold on. We'll get there in just a minute. Lay. They were sick, so sick, so disabled, they couldn't even stand up and walk. They were laying down. Can I remind you, sin brings you down. Sin's never going to bring you up, friend. That young person, you may think about dabbling in sin. You may think about trying to hide from your mom and daddy. You may try to hide it from the past. You may try to hide it from people in your life that love you and care about you. But sin will always bring you down. They were laying there. But then it says they were lay, they laid there and the people were called impotent. I didn't told you. That means without strength. And my friend, this world is without strength to overcome evil. You can have your 12 steps. You can have all the programs and, 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 and uh, propaganda. You can have all the pageantry of this world. You can have all the steps to this and steps to that. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, uh, turn over a new leaf. You can have all these ways that the world will say, will fix you but my friend without Jesus you don't have any strength to overcome evil you can't overcome evil on your own you can't do this by yourself you can't live with God by yourself you can't clean up your life by yourself and all the programs this world's got to offer will not give you strength to overcome evil man they're blind and we know what blind means spiritually, but it means they are, they are, they are, they are undiscerning of right and wrong. You realize we're living in a world that does not know right and wrong? They are so blind. They are blinded by the God of this world. We think how absurd is it the things that are going on in our nation? How absurd is it to think that a, a girl could be a boy and a boy could be a girl, but they're blinded by the God of this world. How absurd could it be that little elementary, middle school, and high school students are running around thinking not only are they opposite genders, but they now think they are not even a human anymore, and thinking they are some kind of animal. How absurd. No, they're blinded. By the God of this world. Why not think they're an animal? They've been told since they're in kindergarten they come from a monkey. Amen. No wonder. No wonder this world. How absurd is it to think that it's okay to take a knife and stick it in a baby's back and commit a murder in the womb of a mother. How absurd. No, they're blinded by the God of this world. How absurd is it that people today are trying to get their fix off a bottle, a bottle of dope, a bottle of drink, some kind of bag of, of dope, or some kind of needle, or some kind of spoon, or some kind of other way. How absurd. No, they're blinded by the God of this world. Blind. They're halt. Sin cripples and causes us to not be able to walk uprightly. You can't do right 
You can't do right without the Lord. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not the son of a Calvinist. I don't like none of it. But listen, I believe we are in a depraved world. Amen? Sinners are depraved. And sinners cannot walk uprightly on their own. A sinner's going to do what a sinner's going to do. And sinners do what sinners do. And the problem I've got was folks calling themselves Christians doing that stuff. Halt, but then withered. Their limbs are paralyzed. Sin causes our will and our conscience to be unable uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to do any moral, any, any good thing. It cripples, it paralyzes us where we're at. That's the picture we've got around this pool. That's what's going on around this pool. There, all these people are there, watch this, for one thing, for healing. Though they're blind, though they're halt, though they're withered, though they're impotent, they have a desire to be whole. They want healing. They want, they want their blindness healed. They want uh, their haltness uh, to be, they want to be able to move around. They want to be able to walk uprightly. They want their limbs to work. They want their eyes to see. They don't want to be in the state they're in no more. And they're going to this pool looking for that healing. You know what I just believe? I believe this Walmart. You may think I'm crazy, but I believe we're living in a world that is getting so dark. It is so dark. There are people out there that really do won't release from their blindness. There really are people out there that won't release from their haltness. They won't release from their witheredness. And watch this, they're going to a lot of places that offer false hope. That's why they go back to the bottle. That's why they go back to the needle. That's why they go back to the strange relationships. That's why they go to the abusive relationships. That's why they go through the one night stand after one night stand after one night. They're looking for something to open their eyes. They're looking for something to, to make them free. Uh, to make them uh, not in the bondage of this crippling disease of the hell. They're looking for healing. I believe we're living in days for that, of that. That's what's going on. That's why all these crazies are able to draw a crowd. Because people are looking for something. They're looking for a miracle. To change their condition. They're looking for a miracle. And watch this. They're looking in the right place. They're right at the sheep gate. Right at the place where the lamb is going to come through. They're at the pool of mercy. Where else are you going to find help? And then a place of mercy. I don't know that any of these people believe they deserve mercy. Or deserve a miracle. But they're at a good place to get some help at this pool of mercy. And again, the Bible says uh, that people obviously are getting healed at this pool. They're going to a right place, but they're looking to the wrong person for their healing. Now watch this. The Bible says, and a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. Can you imagine this man in his wretched condition? This certain man had an infirmity. Now, now we don't know exactly what the, what the details of that infirmity was, but we do know this. That same word was used of a, of a woman in the Bible that, that, that was walking, that had, it couldn't stand up straight. She was so bent over. So I don't know, maybe this man was so bent over that's infirm. I don't know that. I, I do know this. Later on, later on, 
He said he has no man to help him. We're going to do that in just a minute. But he says, I have no man to help me. Seems as if he is, obviously, he's in a situation where he can't help himself. What a wretched condition this man's in. He's helpless. I believe he'd probably got to the point of being hopeless. 38 years. That's longer than I've been living. 38 years. That's almost four decades. Not with just thing after thing happening. This same infirmity. This same disease. Almost four decades over and over and over. Every day he woke up with the same pain. Every day he woke up with the same immobility. Every day he had the same old thing over and over and over. And I don't know. I wonder if he hadn't been sitting in that pool for 38 years. I don't know. Wonder. I don't know, this is Will Allenology, y'all. I don't know for sure, but wonder if when the disease first crippled him, that one somebody took him down that pool, laid him as close to the water as they could, and said, man, I hope to see you soon. I hope you're getting better. And for 30, I don't know, but maybe 38 years he lived on that porch trying to get to the water, trying to get some healing, trying to get some relief. The wretched man. I mean, think about it. This disabled man, he cannot get to the water on his own. He's disabled. And sin will disable you. Sin will, you say, well, why can't you just do right? What well, sin disables you. And watch this on that. He is a desperate man. I'll do anything to get better. I know an angel stirring the water sounds pretty crazy. I know trying to race to get to the water when I can't even move sounds real crazy. But I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Oh, we've talked to people who are hooked with addicted to certain things. And, and when you can talk to them sober, you think, why do you go back to it? I don't know. I, I don't know why I go back. I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I do that. But yet but they get desperate for help. They get desperate for some to fill that void. They're just desperate. This man's in a desperate situation. This man's not only desperate, he's not only disabled, but he is disappointed. 38 years. Now, it does not say, it does not say in your Bible that this angel only does this one time a year. Now, I don't know how often this angel does it. But if he only done it one time a year, if he only done it, if the angel only came one time a year for 38 years, year after year, he's not first. It says at a certain season into the pool and I wonder if in that season the, 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 the angel doesn't, doesn't trouble the waters multiple times in that season maybe every day in a certain season let's just say every day for three months let's just say maybe multiple times look over and over again he's got a desire he wants to be healed he might be at the very edge of the pool but he can't get there first he's desperate he is disappointed. I believe he got hopeless. I, I wrote this down. The Bible talks about that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You, you, you think he might have been there? Every, every time, I don't know if there was something that made them, I don't know if there was something that alarmed the people there that the angel's about to trouble. I don't know if there was a light in the sky. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know nothing about it. And that's why commentators think it's the easiest thing to say this, this verse is, no, shouldn't be here. Because you know, we don't know. We don't know what happened. Can you think hope rose up? Oh, maybe this time. 
maybe this time. This will be it. This will be the time. And deferred because he doesn't make it over and over. I believe he's sick. His heart's sick. He's hopeless. He's helpless, the Bible says. He ain't no man. A certain man. Look in verse number six. Things are looking up in verse number six. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, verse one through five, I don't know about y'all, but reading all that makes me pretty depressed. I mean, that man, man, bunch of blind folk, bunch of halting, withered folk, bunch of impotent folk, and then there's this one dude we're zeroing the camera on, and we got this guy, he's been there for 38 years. Man, things are bad. Things are real bad. I mean, my goodness, I think I'm in stage four depression. But verse number six, when Jesus saw him lie, Things are about to change when Jesus walks in on the scene. Amen. When Jesus steps into the situation, we know that things are looking up when Jesus walks in on this man. Jesus comes in and Jesus sees him, the Bible says. He sees him lying there and the Bible says, and knew that he'd been there a long time in that case. Jesus saw him there and Jesus knew him. Jesus didn't ask nobody. Jesus said, how long have you been here? Jesus said, hey, you see that guy over there? How long has he been here? What's his name? What's his situation? No, no, no. Jesus saw him there, and Jesus knew his situation. And he knew how long he's been in that situation. Hey, my friend, hey, isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus knows every sickness and every disease. And it is, uh, it is all, listen, uh, Jesus knows everything uh, that we are going through. And this certain man that maybe everybody else had forgotten, maybe everybody else had just said, well, he's been here all these years and nothing's going to change for him maybe even he thought that about himself but Jesus saw this certain man and he saw his need and he knew exactly what he needed I'm glad this morning that we have a sympathetic savior we have a compassionate savior that knows you he knows your need he knows your trouble he knows what you're going through I'm used to I'm in a crowd of people this morning there's a bunch of people here there's a bunch of people all over the world in church today and maybe surely he don't see me. There's people that got bigger needs than I have. There's people that got other troubles than I do. But Jesus knows your need and he knows your troubles and he knows your suffering and he knows your struggles. Thank God there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Jesus saw him and he knew him. That's wonderful. Others may not care about your situation but Jesus always cares. No one ever cared for me like Jesus cared for me. It's wonderful that Jesus saw him. Isn't it good that Jesus sees you? It's wonderful that Jesus knows him. Isn't it good that Jesus knows you? He knows you so good. The Bible says that he numbered your hair. It didn't say he counted them. Some of y'all, it'd be easier for others. Amen. Thank God for my good hair. Amen. Y'all can have your beards. I'm glad I got my hair. Amen. I'm not against beards, by the way. Amen. <laughs> I just can't grow one. I'm not man enough yet. But, uh, he numbered your hair. It means every one of them's got an individual ID. And, 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 and ma'am, all that clogs up your drain for your husband to have to clean up. God knows what, what number, what ID they were. Amen? Even if you color it with all that hair color and all that box dye and all that stuff, so he still knows what number it is. Amen? That's how much he knows about you. Thank God. He knows about you. It's real good that he sees you. 
It's real good that he knows you, but it gets better. Look at verse number 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time, he saith unto him. What about that? Jesus speaks to him. Jesus talks to him. Hey, listen, it's one thing for him to know me and to see me, but what, what about when he speaks to me? And look what he says. Wilt thou be made whole? Now, you may scratch your head and think, man, that's, that's a weird question. You might even think, duh. He's at the pool where people get healed. <laughs> He's been there 38 years. Duh, he wants to be healed. But you know, there's some people that are comfortable in their sin. There, there's some people that, that don't want help. There's some people, they, and, and they're never going to get it. You can be as Christian and compassionate and caring and all the other words and adjectives you want to be. They are never going to get help until they want help. There's just some people that don't want to be healed. And then there are some people, after being in that situation for so long, they, they lose a desire for a normal life. Think about 38 years. What is normal? 38 years, what would normal even feel like? What would normal look like? This is my normal. This is just the way I am. And some people get stuck in such a situation. He, I mean, again, he's been that way for almost four decades. He might have thought, I might as well just, I may just be just as well to die in this condition than hope for healing and that hope go away every time. He might have got to the point, I'm tired of wishing. I'm tired of hoping. I'm tired of praying. Listen, I'll tell you what this shows about our Savior. We see that this, our Savior chooses this man out of a great multitude. There's all kinds of people there. He chooses this man out of the multitude. So we see the sovereignty of God here. But watch this. He is not going to heal this man against that man's will. We see the free will of man. What about a balanced Bible? Amen. We see this man is chosen by the Savior. We see the, the Savior cares about him, but then he comes to him and he says, Wilt thou be old? So it's really not a, it's not a bad question at all. It's not a duh question at all. This man's been this way this so long. So let's look at the answer this man gives. The impotent man answered him, Sir. That word sir is used multiple times throughout our, our New Testament. Sometimes it's sir and sometimes it's Lord. Now, I do not believe he knows who this is. The reason I don't believe that is because verse number, uh, verse, number, um, verse number 13 says, And he that was healed wist not who it was. So the Bible tells me this man doesn't know he's Jesus. So let's don't over-spiritualize the word sir that he thinks that this is God. He don't know who he is, but he's got respect for him. Here's what I'm saying, here's, why I'm, and here's the point I'm making here, is don't take this statement as a smart aleck statement. I, and, I, and I say that because I've heard teaching and preaching along these lines, and, then, and this, it's almost as giving this man this attitude like, sir, you know, I, I mean, I ain't got nobody to help me. Don't you see the shape of it? But we see the respect he has, sir. I, I think this is a man broken. We know he physically is, but I think emotionally, again, he's helpless and he's hopeless. Sir, notice what he says here. I have no man. He ain't no friends. He ain't no family to help. 
I thought about that and it leading up and it's Mission Sunday and we've got, not only do we have a missionary family, we've got a missionary family going to America. I didn't know what song they were going to sing this week. I didn't know they were sung until, I think it was this week when I texted last year, if you could sing. I don't, he didn't tell me what song to sing. Who will go to America? I wonder how many people are out there that are blind, halt, withered, impotent, got infirmities. And, and, and they're, they're waiting around some pool somewhere. And they're wanting healing. And they want out. And they would say the same thing. But I have no man. I wonder how many people you run into every single day. Right here. In the good old southern USA. In the great state of Georgia. They would say, I have no Where would you be had somebody not told you the gospel? Where would you be had somebody, whether it was a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or a parent or just some random soul winner or some friend or some coworker or somewhere, all our stories are different. Every one of us come from, from different types of backgrounds and some of you raised in church, some of you not raised in church, but some of you were saved after, the, after a preacher preached and some of you were saved after a Sunday school lesson, but some of you, it was that, that preaching and teaching and people witnessing to you somewhere all by yourself, God got a hold of you and you got born again. Where would you be though? had somebody not give you the gospel I have no man see I believe this man had given up hope of being first in the pool but, but if somebody would help him his hope would revive if somebody would just tell him there's some hope, I don't think, listen, I believe this, it was a lack of opportunity not a lack of desire that kept him from being healed wonder if there's people today lost it's not that they haven't had the it's not that they they they've heard the gospel and rejected it they've just not heard the gospel whether we're talking about New York City or upper Midwest or Africa or Asia or all the other places that we have missionaries around this globe or we're talking about right here in Gordon, Murray, Pickens, uh, Gilmer County. Right here people don't know the gospel. I have no man. I believe this. Again, he don't know who Jesus is so I believe this. He thought maybe, maybe he's asking me this because he's going to help me get in the water. Maybe this man, whoever he is, he's going to help me be here. I do not believe for one minute this man ever thought, this, this guy, and again, I don't even think he's, they've exchanged names yet. I don't think this lame man ever thought that Jesus was going to heal him. Very well may have crossed his mind that Jesus may help him get into the water to be healed, but he didn't see Jesus as healing him. But look what happened. Jesus said to him, verse 8, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Rise. The power of Jesus was not in that water. Could he have used that water? Sure, he could have used whatever he wanted to. But the power was not in that water. The power was not in some angel stirring water. 
power for this man's healing was in the word of God. The power of God in, this, in, in, in these days, there was a lot more signs and wonders and miracles happening. But now in, in the hour we live in, Hebrews tells us he's speaking through the word of God. It's speaking through his son. It's the word of God that's got power. And we're not to be looking for an angel stirring waters. And we're not to be looking for some miraculous supernatural thing out in the natural elements of this world. But the power of salvation is in the word of God today. The word of God. Christ spoke and it was done. He didn't use this medicinal therapeutic properties of the water and he could have. And ain't nothing wrong with doing that. I'm not, I don't even think I'm thinking about not taking medicines and all that stuff. But what I'm saying is he could have used it but he didn't. He showed that the miracle power was in his word this morning. Notice what his word says. Number one, rise. This man's sin caused him to be lowered. He said, wait a minute. How do you know it was sin that done that? The wages of sin is what? Death. The reason we get sick is because you sinned. Now, I'm not saying it's a direct result of sin, but it is a direct result of sin. It's a, it is maybe, maybe it's not a judgment for a specific sin in your life, but we're sinners. So we're dying. So our, our health has to do with that. We are, con- we are consistently dying. We talk about living, but actually we're not. And so, so, so his sin had lowered him. I don't, I don't think this man had greater sin than anybody else's sin. The Bible tells us that over and over again. We find the blind man, the disciples say, who sinned, him or his dad, mom and daddy? And Jesus said, no, this is for the glory of God. Listen, I'm not saying this man had any more sin, but sin is sin, and sin causes man to be lowered. But when Christ works in heart, he works to lift you up. He don't leave you where you're at. He don't leave you in the hog pen. He doesn't leave you down in your sin. He lifts you up. And when Christ works, there'll be a rise in your character. There'll be a rise in your spirituality. And there will be a rise in your morals when Christ works in you. He says, rise. Then he says, roll. You know what I mean? He says, take up thy bed. Don't mean he's taking around the, he's not taking the frame and the bed rails and all that kind of stuff. This man's got a, like a roll up bed, like a, a bed you take. Maybe I, I have a roll bed that I take camping and stuff like that. Just a roll bed. Roll up that bed. Here's what it says. It says this, don't leave the evidence of that old life. You don't need that bed no more. You don't need this anymore. You don't need that in your life. Life is different now. Now that you're up, life's not like it used to be. And don't leave those things. You know what? Sometimes you live a defeated life because you leave out those beds in your life. You leave out those things in your life that you should have rolled up a long time ago. Those things in your life that are trip hazards for you. Those, those weights and those sins that easily beset you. You just leave them on out. Hey, when God works in your life, you're to rise up and roll up those, li- lo- those things of that old life. Roll up that past life and get rid of it. You don't need it no more. Rise and roll. But then I see this, Rome. He says, walk. He didn't say go to the physical therapist, get assistance of a walker or crutches. He said, walk. When I say, when I say all that is this. When Jesus Christ does a healing, you don't have to go get checked out by the doctors. Benny Hinn, Greg Locke, D.R. Harrison, one of them, they might do some deliverance, something. 
You have to go get checked out. But when Jesus Christ does something, he does it right. He said, get up and walk. Oh, watch this, watch this. This man couldn't even crawl to the water. This man couldn't even get to the water. And Jesus says, rise up, take up your bed, walk. This man was helpless. He's hopeless. And watch this. The only man this, the only thing this man could do for his healing, watch this, is believe. Not even before he was healed. I think that's amazing too. These faith healers say, well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. This man didn't even know to have faith in Jesus. Rise up and walk. All he could do was believe. He had no power in himself to rise up, roll up his bed, and walk. But he believed. He believed. And when he believed, the same power that rose him, uh, the same power, or, or I'm saying, the, when, when he believed the word of the Lord, the same power, the word of the Lord that spoke that healing came the power to obey the command of God. We don't see him fussing with God. We don't see him fussing with Christ. We see, and the Bible says in verse number nine, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked He was immediately healed, and he, was Im and he immediately obeyed everything Jesus said to him. Everything Jesus said do, he did. Immediately. You know, you can't do anything for your salvation. We believe that. We preach that. Brother Tim, if you come play softly, I'm closing right here. And we preach that, and if you're not saved this morning, you've heard that over and over and over again. But let me tell you one more time. You cannot do anything for your salvation except believe. Your works are as filthy rags. Your religion is grotesque in the sight of God. You can be baptized in every baptistry, every creek, every river, every oceanfront, every pool, whatever. And it ain't going to save you. You can turn over the new leaf. You can get a good, good start. All this other stuff that people try to do to have religion. But it ain't going to work. You can't do anything. You're just like this man who's impotent. Oh, you're wanting healing. You want to be saved. You want, you, want what, you want the freedom. But you think you can do it on your own. But Jesus Christ came to this man didn't say, hey, if you can get up, get on up. And if you can roll up your bed, get on up. And then if you can walk, walk. And then after all of that, I'll take care of you. That ain't what he said, is it? He didn't say you got to rise, roll up your bed and walk. And then I'll, I'll take care of you. No. Hey, I've already took care of it. I've already healed you. I've already took care of the problem. You just got to believe it enough to get up. Read a story about a rich physician who was about to die. And he had no family to leave his fortune to. He had nobody to leave his fortune to. And he, uh, he thought, I know what I'll do. I, I'll leave my fortune to, I'm a, I'm a doctor, and I got into this 
I got in this profession not to make a bunch of money. I really got in this profession to really help people. And I want to help people. So all I'll do, I'll get $100 million in the bank. And I'll have this bank card that is tied to that $100 million. And I'm going to find somebody out there that really needs help. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it to them. And I'm going to tell them that if they will take this bank card, it's theirs. They have to withdraw something every day from it. To keep it. I'm going to find somebody. So he found somebody on the street. Poor, lame, beggar. And he told that man. He said look at $100 million on this card. If you'll go use it. Every day. It's yours. Do whatever you want to with it. Get healing. Get help. That man started cussing and fussing. And get out of here. I don't need your help. Blah, blah, blah. And he threw that card away. He rejected the help for that position. So he went on and he found another man. Another man he told the same thing to. And that man said, oh, great. And he put it in his pocket. And he bragged about how rich he was, how rich he was, but he never went and withdrew any money from it. Eventually he forgot about it being in his pocket and he lost it. So the man found somebody else. And, 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 and time again, rejection or just, oh yeah, I'll take it, but then you just forget about it. Finally, he found a woman who had an issue that she had been dealing with for years and years and years, and he knew about it. He gave that bank card, told the same thing, look, got $100 million on it. All you've got to do is withdraw some money from it every day, and it's yours. Use it how you want to. Get help. Do whatever you need. She took that card and right away she went down to the bank. She went to that bank teller. And the bank teller knew what the doctor was going to do. The, the bank teller and the doctor had been talking about this. So he, she knew. The bank teller knew. So that little woman got up there and said, I, 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 I'd like to maybe get $100, please. That bank teller knew how much money that card was tied to. She said, you sure that's all you want? The lady thought for a minute. She said, well, I don't know. Maybe $5,000? That bank teller gave her $5,000. That little lady went and got herself off the street and put a deposit down on an apartment, bought food to eat, went to the doctors and started getting help for her disease and help for her, her need. And every day she went and withdrew from that bank Every day she went and withdrew from that bank and she lived. She lived off of that doctor's provision. Watch this. All she had to do is believe. All she had to do is believe. Jesus Christ has paid for your disease. He's paid your sin debt. And all you got to do is believe. And watch this. When you believe, you can withdraw on it every single day. Every single, and watch this, it's according to his riches. And as he gives, he don't lose any. He don't lose any money. He don't lose any of his power when he gives to you, when he helps you. But watch this, and I am done, I promise you here. Not only can you do nothing for your salvation, the obedience we have after salvation is in the power of the Lord too. You listening? Some of you live such a defeated life because you keep trying, and you know you're saved, but you keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, and the 
Bible says you need to start trusting and trusting and trusting. And tr it's walking in the Spirit that you might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Some of you got it backwards. You're trying to not fulfill the lust of the flesh so you can walk in the Spirit, but that ain't what the Bible says. And some of you, you are beating yourself over the head because you can't live this life. I just can't do it. It's just too hard. You're exactly right. It is. But you know why that man got up that day and rolled his bed up and was able to walk? It wasn't because of him. It's because of Jesus. That same power that healed him is the same power that got him up to obey him. Lost friend, why don't you get saved today? Saved friend, why don't you give it to him today? And let his power work through your life. Stop trying and start trusting. Start walking in the spirit. And let him guide you. Let him direct you. Let him lead you. Let him give you the power to obey him this morning. How about it this morning? Let's all stand heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Would you do business with God? If you're lost here this morning, you're among friends that want to see you, to be, see you saved. You're among people that love you, care for you, want to see you saved. We can take a Bible and show you how to be saved. But if you're saved this morning and you're living defeated because you keep messing up, you keep stumbling, you keep falling, would you put your faith in Him this morning? Would you trust Him to help you? Would you trust Him to give you the power to obey Him? Would you trust Him? Brother Tyler's going to sing a song of invitation. There's some little kids in the altar. There's some praying at their pew. Won't you do business with God? These altars are open. The pew, wherever. Just do business with God. Brother Tyler, I want you to sing.